Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. This is home to NARC Troopers, and there's a website called narctroopers.com where you will find all kinds of goodies to help you on your recovery journey. There's YouTube vlogs, there's podcasts, and tons of articles that I have written about this subject. So, check them out. Today's topic is how dumb Dorothy got played by the Tin Man. Can you ever find home again after getting lost in the land of Oz with a disordered partner? When I was a little girl, the Wizard of Oz scared the bejesus out of me. I'm not sure why it felt so terrifying, but, you know, I imagine that it struck a little too close to home. The idea of the evil lady who tried to hurt the little dog, you know, little Toto. The green witch with the, her wicked machinations. And the hordes of flying monkeys. Oh yeah, the flying monkeys. Especially the monkeys kept me trembling in abject fear many nights after the annual showing of that movie. As I grew older... I discovered a special connection to the film. One spring morning, I sat in a psychology class at West Texas State University when the instructor invited uh, us to answer a question. He posited this, this, this question. He said, if your life were a movie, what movie would it be? Without hesitation, I replied, I am Dorothy. Now, most people will tell you a relationship with a narcissist was never real, that you were in love with the mirror image of yourself that he projected to you, and that he or she is a non-entity by most definitions. Well, two years and nine months later, since the discard, I know what he is. I was told what he was, but I didn't listen. I didn't even look it up. But now in the aftermath, I went back and thought, okay, wait a second. I need to learn more about this, about what's going on. And so now I do know. I understand that he is beyond repair, living in a parallel universe, driven to keep his false self alive by constant infusions of fuel from others, and that he doesn't know what love is. He, he has no idea. He's incapable of that. 2.9 years later, I know what I am. A woman with dependent personality disorder, abandonment issues, weak boundaries, and unhealthy attachment styles. But I also know that I am not beyond repair. I am grounded in stark reality, and I know profoundly what love is and what it is not. Although I was trauma bonded and addicted to him, I am also sure that I loved him. I loved the original uncorrupted little boy part of him who was helpless against the atrocities of his childhood. I loved him like a parent loves their child 
who has a mental illness or impairment. I loved him like a child loves their parent because he played that role, the role of my mother who could not love me. I loved him organically, his smell, his energy vibration, his shame, his sweetness, his contempt, his lust. I loved all of it, all the pieces, good and bad, in sickness and in health. I loved his essence, his spirit, the soul that is now muted and twisted and deformed and held hostage by his, his demons and maybe even demons from another realm that dwell inside of all the broken pieces of his dead heart. I loved him without time or space through the millennia that we have traveled together again and again, lifetimes, side by side. I loved him for what he felt when I filled his emptiness. I loved him for his pain and longed to give him peace and sanctuary. But you know what? It didn't matter. It didn't matter how I loved him or why I loved him. It didn't matter then and it doesn't matter now. It will never make a difference in this world, not in this lifetime. My ex-husband has narcissistic personality disorder and he lives in an imaginary world far, far from my reach. I know what he is and understanding it gives me the strength to let him go. There is no hope. He will change or get better or grow a working conscience or some kind of moral compass or anything. You know, I can hang on and drown and be pulled under by the riptides of his chronic chaotic mind and by my attachment to it, or I can release him and all memory of the life we shared and save myself. We cannot be together because of his disorder. He does not belong to me. He belongs to God. Will I ever recover and forget about it and move on and live happily ever after with someone else? No, I don't think so. Will I ever be able to have a healthy partnership with someone who knows what love is and can actually care about me? Will they bring a similar intensity? Can I settle for what is normal and dependable and sane? Well, maybe, but probably not. Will I accept what he is and what he cannot do and cannot be and get on with my own plans for the rest of my days and forgive him and fill that empty space with new friends and meaningful work and faith in a future? Yeah, I, I think I can do that. I think that part, that is something that we can all do. We can accept what they are, what they can and cannot do, what they can never be, and to just get on, forgive them, 
Fill that empty space with new friends and meaningful work and faith in the future. I think that's what we can all do. I don't know about the other. Um, if you're younger than me, then I would say time is on your side. Certainly. Sure. Yeah, of course. You're going to be able to, you know, get past this. Absolutely. It'll, it will be a distant faded memory in a few years, probably. But for those of us who are older, I'm 65. <laughs> and wow, you know, yeah, I do think that the older you are, the harder it gets. I have two friends that I met in narcissistic support recovery group. And they agree with me that if they were 40 or even 50, um, 30 or some other younger age, they would have time. They would have the time to just be patient and recover slowly and discover themselves and discover a new life day by day, minute by minute over a period that stretches out for some indeterminate amount of time. But for those of us that are as old as we are, it's, it's a little harder and I'm not saying it's impossible. I have a friend, a colleague that I worked with at a, at a public school here in Austin, Texas, when I worked at a high school here, when I first moved here back in 2007, I think it was. Um, and she was amazing. The first day of school, she got up and, um, read a poem and took her shoes off and had this long silver hair that was flying all over the place. And she was dancing around and she jumped up on top of the cafeteria tables. And I thought, Whoa, this woman is not, uh, young. And, uh, this was like, what, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And she was retirement age then and dancing around like a little sprite. Um, and, and this woman retired shortly after that and then went on and she met the love of her life and they're in their seventies now. And so I, absolutely we can all, I think we can all do this. We can all recover because you know, we have all the working parts. We're just banged up, right? We, we're not totally wrecked and totaled. We're just banged up pretty bad, really bad. It looks like a lot of damage, <laughs> but they can do wonders, you know, with replacing parts and fixing things up to make them all spiffy and new and patch you up so that you're, you know, maybe you got a few miles, but you're going to be running really good. And, you know, your motor's going to be purring like a kitten <laughs> and you're going to be able to, um, to maybe meet someone who can actually really genuinely be a human, a full, straight on, complete, living, breathing human, capable of love, capable of feeling and emotion and empathy and remorse and regret and all those wonderful, messy human feelings we're still able to meet that person. And to, even if we're in our seventies, eighties, it happens. What do they say? Sixties, the new 30. <laughs> I feel super youthful. If you told me my age, 
I just wouldn't believe it. I would say, oh no, I feel like I'm 40 or 38 or 45 or some days 102. But I, you know, it's just a number. Age is just a number. But I am going to stamp this. I want to name this. It is harder if you're older, if you're over 55 or 60. And if you've been married to that narcissist for decades, and then the end comes the way that it comes in such an ugly and abrupt way that totally invalidates your very essence. It, it rips your soul apart and shreds you in a million pieces. You know, if that's you, you know, that are like the older person with the decades with the narcissist behind you, you know, you have my, what do they say? Thoughts and prayers. You have my um, respect and my uh, complete empathy here because it's a, it's harder. Yeah, it's harder, but it can be done. So let's get back to what I'm saying here. <laughs> um, so, okay, back to the Dorothy and Oz thing. For the longest time, I tried to decide which one he was. <laughs> my narcissist husband. Which one was he? Was he the scarecrow? Was he the tin man? Was he the lion, the cowardly lion? Um, so I had already met the cowardly lion and we had a child together. Uh, and I think it was my first, I was married twice. I've been married twice. Um, my first, I think he was the scarecrow in search of a brain to restore his worth. That gets complicated, but I'm pretty sure that that's right. He was brilliant. Make no mistake. It's not as if he, he was the scarecrow because he wasn't smart because he was super smart, smarter than most people that I know, but he had mental illness that sort of sabotaged all of the brilliance that he had and took away his mind so that, um, yeah, when you have a psychotic break, sometimes you don't come back. You go. It's a one-way trip, a one-way ticket. And so I think that that was him. So that that left me with, what does that leave you with? It leaves me with the Tin Man. This one, the narcissist who broke me. Yeah, he wrecked me, broke me. Not completely, not totaled. Insurance is not going to pay a claim on that. I have to be reconstituted. I have to put myself back together. I can do it. He's Humpty Dumpty. He got broke when he was really young and there's no putting him back together. But me, I'm that wrecked. Uh, what am I? I'm a Jaguar. <laughs> I'm a Jag baby. And when I get back together, I still have those buttery leather seats for people to come sit on me. <laughs> and I still have that sleek, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, my, the way that I maneuver, the way that I handle, uh, on the road, I'm still good. <laughs> I'm still good. So I just need to be restored, uh, a little bit from that damage, but I'm, I'm definitely not totaled, right? Because that's what kind of happens to the narcissist. They get totaled when they're little and they never come back from that. You know, it's a complete, um, complete tragedy. Um, so anyway, after many years together, married to this man, uh, 16 years together, I'm beginning to see how a person with NPD could actually be 
maybe the Wizard of Oz. Scared, shamed, weak man-child with the ultimate false persona as a larger-than-life, grandiose, godlike master of the universe. Maybe, maybe he was the Wizard of Oz. Fake, awe-inspiring, but behind the curtain. Nothing more than a trembling, shattered soul who cannot live in the world as himself. Someone who must construct an alter ego, a false self, like the great Oz to present to the world. It is, it is a lie, all of it, fake, deceptive, hollow. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, not a good thing. So he's not just a man without a heart. He is a charlatan, a con man, an opportunist, exploitative and manipulative in attempts to be something he is not. So of course there are other interpretations. I can really dig in deep with this text of the Wizard of Oz and come up with a lot of different ways to interpret that. You know, the angry, hideous, reclusive, and lonely wizard could also represent the NPD's um, tormented and isolated victims. Maybe that's who that is. They're the victims. But the majority of people believe that the wizard is the supreme grandiose narcissist, just as the three characters who seek courage, a brain, and a heart. All of them are seeking what they want outside of themselves. They're seeking external validation instead of turning inward to get what they want. So how about that? Uh, you know, I've got my personal take on it, but no, what if uh, that's not it at all? Anyway, it's like Glinda, the good witch, finally tells Dorothy. She says, and I'm not going to do that voice because it's a crazy voice, right? You had the key to getting home all along. It was in your heart. Okay, that really was bad. I'm sorry about that. I can't do the high voices very well. Um, so, but that's what she said to Dorothy, right? Uh, Glinda finally tells her that she had the power to go home and that she just, you know, she couldn't just tell her because Dorothy would never have believed it. She had to learn it for herself. Yep, that's right, folks. Had to learn it for herself. Home is the place where, you know, it's the place within yourself where you have all the things you ever wanted and needed, including people who will love you simply for yourself as Auntie M and Uncle Henry and all the other real characters loved Dorothy because they were real. They weren't fiction like Oz. Okay, sorry. I had to take a sip of water. I've been, I have COVID complications and I'm taking medicine for some of it, and man, it dries out my mouth. <clears throat> okay, so the real characters in that movie, um, and Auntie M and Uncle Henry were the real deal, and they loved her. They were That was family, and that's why there is no place like home. So that is also why, even though my narcissist had wizard-like qualities, wizard. I didn't say lizard, although both are true. Wizard and lizard-like qualities. He was really just the tin man, more than anything, in my opinion. And what happens when you bare your soul to the tin man? Come on, let's guess. 
what happens when you bear your, bear your soul to the Tin Man? Yep, that's right. You get, you get tetanus or some other horrible disease. Okay, little levity, little tongue-in-cheek today. Forgive me. Okay, it's a serious subject, though. So that's how Dorothy got played by the Tin Man. And now it's time for all of us to find our power, click our heels, and get ourselves home. Okay, guys. Let's love. Bye-bye.